Please join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. Stories of faith that connect us. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut or Colorado, the United States or Europe or anywhere in the world. <laughs> so this is our last week of taking a look at the reading in Ephesians. Those of you who have been here each week, you might be happy about that. But if you're visiting this week for the first time, welcome to this reading that has become familiar to many. It answers the question at that moment for that community, what practices help us live well together? How do we best live well and relate well together? So if you were going to start with an empty piece of paper, what might you put on that piece of paper? Just consider that for a moment. What might you put if it was a blank piece of paper? Exemplify this, avoid this, do this, don't do this. What kind of character traits would be most important? Well, that's, that's what we're looking at here in Ephesians, and it's printed in your bulletin this morning. And I went through each pew and made sure there were sharpened pencils. So now you can take those pencils and working in pairs or in small groups or by yourself if that's what you prefer, I want you to go through that reading and perhaps circle the things that the author says we should do this and maybe put a line through the things that or under what the author says don't do this. So you can, you can come up with your own way of doing it making a note to yourself of what things are to be done and what things are to be avoided. The cover of your bulletin is also a nice place for that. Practicing faith, things to do, things not to do. So take a few moments, engage the people around you, and just try to unearth the richness of this reading as you see it and hear it today. So how's that going? (laughs) Have you noticed anything that's missing from that list? You know, if if you think about life and community, what this list tells us is really what was happening at that time in that community. Sounds like people were getting angry and hauling off and just throwing their anger around, right? Yeah, the word respect is not there. That's a modern construct. Compassion. A moment. Yeah. Like the instruction should have been, take a deep breath, count to ten, 
then speak. Yeah. It's yep. Be gentle and sensitive. Forgive. When you compare that to what you remember of the Ten Commandments, anything missing then? A couple things. I can think of a couple things. So maybe they weren't having any problems with. Um, Maybe they were keeping Sabbath. I think this is, it's probably still safe to assume that this was a community that kept Sabbath and held things in common and that it was a community that was deeply committed to nonviolence so they didn't have to worry about murder. It also seems like that, that one line at the end that says, um, make friends with God. In other translations, it says, don't grieve God, which means uh, the feeling that God is absent. So perhaps this is also written at a time when folks were starting to worry, hey, is this, is this new order ever going to happen? <laughs> when are we going to get there? Are we there yet? Is it soup yet? And so they're grieving that. They're, it's also possible that in the life as you may know, a life of faith, it's really natural to have strong feelings of God's presence. It's a consolation. The word for that is consolation. And the feelings of God's absence, which is desolation. But those feelings aren't always connected to whether or not God is present. And I say that for the desolation part because our faith teaches us that God is always present. But sometimes uh, we still have feelings of desolation, and that's to be honored, I think. Some of the saints call that the dark night of the soul at its worst. So consider how the things that you noted tell a story about the community, right? What they put down in writing what they talk about, what they try to aspire to, it says something about who they are. It tells a story about what is or what isn't happening. That's what rules and guidelines do. And they try to create something that helps us live well together. So our hopes and fears also say something about how we approach life. And Brian McLaren and Gareth Higgins wrote a new book about the seventh story. And they talk about six stories that are prevalent, that, that characterize common realities, that, that characterize motives, if you will, both conscious and unconscious, that sort of drive our life. It's something that we perpetuate, whether we believe it's true or not. It's like, it's in there. It's like, where do we get the idea that if we buy a certain product, we're going to feel pretty, or we're going to be strong, or our life is going to be fulfilled? Where does that come from? TV. But where does, where does that come from? That's perpetuated all over. 
So listen to these six stories, and you might want to write just down little words about this so you can remember it. The first story he says is, or they say, is us over them. It's the story of domination. Us over them. Of course, in that scenario, you probably want to be the one in charge. (laughs) It seems to be the better position. And everyone knows who's in charge. The second story is us versus them. That's the revolution. That's when you overthrow the ones who are in charge because they're not doing a good job. That's when the ones who are not in charge decide, hey, we want a shot at being in charge. And then there's us versus some of us. That's the notion of purification by exclusion. It's the basis of ethnic cleansing. You've seen that played out in history. If only we could just be this people. (laughs) Hmm. Then there's us in spite of them. And that's living the story of victimization where your life is defined by your suffering or one's life is defined by suffering. Then there's us away from them, which is isolation. Living off the grid or forming your own community. And that's a withdrawal. And then us competing with them to get more stuff. That's the accumulation. You need more stuff. Your stuff will keep you safe or make you happy. And actually, that's the basis for all of these stories, all six of these stories. It's rooted in the pursuit of happiness and security, peace and meaning. It's a noble root. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. None of those six stories work. Domination, revolution, purification by exclusion, victimization, isolation, accumulation. It doesn't work. If it worked, we'd be okay. There would be peace on earth, and the gates would be open, and the children would play freely, and everybody would have enough. That's not the nature of these six stories. The nature of these six stories is that some have it and some do not. And that what we're looking for can be received in material goods. None of those stories fulfill it. But there's a seventh story. And you know that seventh story. It's the one we tell here. It's the story of Jesus. That seventh story, seventh story is the one when Jesus came to dismantle stories that fall short of the fullness of life. His is the story of love, which is much different. Love is not domination. Love is service, reconciliation, and self-giving. 
Love is not revolution or revenge. Love is nonviolent resistance. Love is not exclusion. It is inclusion. Remember, how big is your we? How big is your us? It is not victimization. It is the full integrity that each one is a child of God. It is not isolation. It's engagement. It is not accumulation. It's stewardship. It's generosity. And it's sharing. Which story are you living? Might depend upon the day. I know nothing makes me happier than going to Dairy Queen for ice cream. I suspect that that is um, accumulation. (laughs) It's not true that nothing makes me happier than that, but there are moments when that's all I want. (laughs) And that's just a silly example. But there are some real-life serious examples of what we think is going to fulfill us. And they always fall short, unless it's rooted in the story of love. And you only know that by practicing it. You only know that by practicing service and reconciliation and self-giving, nonviolent resistance, inclusion, full integrity as a child of God, engagement, stewardship, generosity, and sharing. That's a list, isn't it? That's a list. Richard Rohr said, Until we are led to the limits of our present game plan, and find it to be insufficient, we will not search out and find our real source. I would say until we're led to the limits of our present story, one of those six stories, those are those dead ends we talk about sometimes. Okay, so it takes a dead end, but then try something different. Try that story of love. That story of mutual integrity, mutual service, and interdependence. That's what the community of Christ is about. And the more that we can expand that circle, not requiring people to hold the same beliefs or to use the same language, but to be able in our best selves to understand that what we call the spirit, someone else might call something else. But we can judge it by mutual integrity, mutual service, and interdependence. Mutual accountability is another way to say that. So here's what you can do this week to consider these six stories and the seventh story, the story of love. I don't know about you, but every week I get from the Colorado Independent, I get the top stories, top news stories. Go through and read them and say, oh, that's story number one, story number three, story number four. Oh, there's one of love, Linda Pettit on the front cover. Rummage to build houses. Right? That's a story of love. So they're all there, not just the six, but all seven. Or check your Facebook feed. Which story does your Facebook feed bombard you with? Who do we have to overthrow? Overthrow the Democrats, overthrow the Republicans, release this, redact this. We need to know about these stories 
because we're approaching a really important week. With the advent of, it's funny to use the word Advent and Lent, isn't it? But with the advent of Palm Sunday and the events of Holy Week leading into Easter, it's helpful to know what story you're watching and which one you're not. And as you listen to those stories, you're going to see different characters portraying different stories. So keep your eye and your ear attuned to Jesus, to the story that he is living out. Because all those other stories exist around him. So this is your week to practice. It's our week to prepare to hear the story a little bit differently and to make sure that we're looking and following the character that is demonstrating the story of love. Friends in Christ, we need each other's voice to sing. So let us go forth into the world serving with joy and peace. Let's render to no one evil for evil. Let's make sure that we are people of reconciliation. Let's also make sure that our generosity speaks and sings to those who need to hear it most. And so together we're going to sing a word of peace, a word of spirit, mind, body, peace that we offer in this piece of music that's in our bulletin. We're going to sing it first to each other in this community, and then we're going to sing it to the world community.